0: the scriptures, I invite you to open your Bibles to Philippians chapter 2 verses 1 through 4. Um, Philippians is in the New Testament a little ways down the line um, after you get through the Gospels and then Acts and Romans, 1st and 2nd Corinthians, and then Galatians, Ephesians, Philippians. Uh, Philippians 2, 1 through 4 is where we find ourselves today. Today, as I said earlier, is the last day um, of our sermon series around connection, relationship, belonging, and story. And those four things, as you can see the little graphic in your bulletin, those four things at the core of them are our identity. And so it is our identity in Christ that feeds all of the other things. And also to understand and to realize and to grasp and to live into our core identity being found in Christ, we also have to align connection, relationship, belonging, and story um, that we are finding Christ and our our union with Christ at the center of who we are. And so Philippians chapter 2, 1 through 4, a beautiful text leading into an even another beautiful text, the Christ hymn of Philippians 2. But today we're just going to focus on those first four verses. Otherwise, we'd be late for coffee. So, Friends, before we read God's Word together, we pray for God's blessing upon the Word, and we ask the Holy Spirit to speak to us through words that are new and fresh or familiar and comfortable. But God speaks to us fresh each day. Let's pray. Lord, our God, as the candle burns in front of us, We are reminded that you are our light, that you are a lamp unto our feet and a light unto our path. And so, as we turn our attention to the scriptures today, we pray that you open these verses to us, speak to our hearts in a new way. As you renew us and cleanse us day by day, may these words be fresh to us today. Whether they're on the tip of our tongue or whether they're coming across, totally different today. Lord, speak, for we, your servants, turn our attention to you. By the power of your Holy Spirit, breathe your life into us. Through your word this day we pray. Amen. Philippians chapter 2, verses 1 through 4. Therefore, if you have any encouragement from being united with Christ, if any comfort from his love, If any common sharing in the Spirit, if any tenderness and compassion, then make my joy complete. Make my joy complete by being like minded, having the same love, being one in spirit and of one mind. Do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit, but rather in humility value others above yourselves, not looking to your own interests but each of you to the interests of others. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Anybody ever been to a wedding? Okay, yeah, pretty pretty uh, common thing. Um, and even if you're not married, you've been to a wedding. And I myself have been to several weddings. I've officiated more than a few. And, you know, there's beautiful, wonderful things that happen at weddings, and there's really funny things that happen at weddings. Um, I have seen the beauty of tears, especially in that holy moment of anticipation as the bride is coming just to the edge of the sanctuary and about to make her way down, and there's just this held moment of anticipation. I think that moment, as beautiful as it is, is is used in Scripture, and it grabs my attention in a new way because in Revelation, in the book of Revelation, that moment is used as a little analogy to point us to how great it will be when I looked before me and there I saw the new heavens and the new earth coming down out of heaven like a bride beautifully dressed for her husband. That moment of anticipation that we experience in this small and beautiful way at a wedding points us to this even bigger truth of what it will be like when Christ shall fully come and make all things new and wipe away every tear from our eyes for there will be no more death or mourning or crying or pain. It grabs my attention in a beautiful way. I've also seen um, a couple getting married who had very recently lost a parent and the rose that was set for the mother of the groom was a sacred center point to remind us of the communion of saints that there is one who is missing who should be there and that though life is unfair it will still be beautiful and good and we can still celebrate sacred occasions it reminds me of communion remember remembrance communion be together and hope for when Christ shall fully come also seen funny things at weddings A few years ago, right about here, there was a groomsman who, um, during the service, all of a sudden, like, went, and he stomped because he was starting to pass out, but didn't know it yet, and so his stomp got everybody's attention, and we all looked at him weird, and then he just glazed over and started to fall back, and thankfully, the master of ceremonies was actually um, a first responder and was sitting, like, in the second row and said, catch him, and so they caught him, and we just, you know... Splash a little water in his face. He was fine, you know. Thankfully, it wasn't the best man, so we weren't like, uh-oh, where are the rings? <laughs> um, just one of the groomsmen. So that was Travis and Julie Redder's wedding. Um, it was great. Um, and it's funny because nobody got hurt. Funny things happen at weddings. Um, not so long ago, I saw lots of people running for shelter as it began pouring rain on uh, Lizzie Hoeksema, now Lizzie Potteray. Beautiful things happen at weddings, funny things happen at weddings, but there's something that gets our attention in the space, that something important is happening, and that there's something significant that we should all pay attention to. Friends, I don't know about you, but when I hear different weddings, and I know now I preach at them, so there's a little bit of variation. Maybe you know more about different wedding texts. But when I hear Philippians 2, 1 through 4, I can't help but to think to myself that this would be a great text for a wedding. It would fit so well with the instruction that we give and also with this longer-term hope that we're looking forward to for the bride and the groom. To tell them if they have any encouragement from being united with Christ, if any comfort from his love, if any common sharing in the Spirit, if any tenderness and compassion... To make my joy complete by being like-minded. Now there's a play on words here. Like-minded with who? Either way. First and foremost, being like-minded with Christ. And then by learning to be united with Christ, that is how we could learn to be united with another person. Being like-minded with Christ. Having the same love as Christ and for one another. Being one in spirit and of one mind, thinking the way Jesus thinks, paying attention to the Holy Spirit's leading and guiding, and also being one in spirit and mind with your spouse, to walk alongside of them in step together. To tell a couple or to any Christian follower of Jesus, regardless of marital status, to do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit. But rather, in humility, value others above yourselves, not looking to your own interests, but each of you to the interests of others. If we see Christ as the one who models that perfectly, then then our response, the identity that we find in the core of our being, is that we too would live like that for Jesus. And if we learn to live like that for Jesus, then we can can learn to live like that in all kinds of other ways, all kinds of other relationships. Because there's something important that I don't want us to cross the analogy too far as we talk about identity being united with Christ. This applies to us regardless of marital status, whether single or married or divorced or widowed. Because in, in our theology, being, being Reformed folk, um, and there's different ways that we could teach a class on what that means, but for today's purposes, what's most important for us to remember is that our theology starts with God, and then it informs us. And then our response is how we live this out in other relationships. Our theology starts with God, which means if we think about this wedding text, we don't learn how to be in relationship to God by being married, but we could learn something about being married by being in relationship with God. that if this is read as a wedding text someday, that the first application of it will be to be united with our Lord, that that is your core identity that will feed all of the other relationships. And so I'm not saying that this text, if you're single, should be like a, a purity ring kind of dating Jesus sort of thing. What I am saying is that for all of us, this is our first and core relationship, is to be united with Christ. Now, weddings and marriage are used as an example throughout Scripture to help us understand that little picture of something bigger. That's why Revelation uses that anticipation of the bride's entrance as this small lesson for us to understand this bigger picture of what it will be like when Christ returns but it starts with our union with Christ. This is applicable to every person who is following Jesus, that at the core, if you look at the little blurb on your bulletin, that little graphic, your connection and your relationships, your belonging and your story, they should all feed your sense of identity, and your identity should inform the connections that are good and helpful, the connections that might be witness opportunities the relationships that you're going to invest in and receive to be invested in. The belonging, the places that we belong or should belong, where we feel that sense that we are truly a part of something. And our story from last week, that we both read God's story of God's people, and that also our story, our testimony, is connected to this union with Christ. That's where we get our encouragement from being united with Christ our comfort from his love. And also, that doesn't happen all at once, does it? Part of the beauty that we have at North Holland is this intergenerational fellowship where we have the the youth and enthusiasm and energy of those who are younger in years. And that longer-standing testimony, that ability to see around the corner because they've looked back and seen this happen before, of those who are more advanced in years, our senior saints, as we like to call them here. Friends, we combine those two things, and we can understand that identity should have passion and that excitement to it, as well as that steadfast, not going to get too worked up about anything, faithfulness day by day. We are united with Christ. Christ. Of all the things that I've seen at weddings that maybe remind me of what's happening here, that these weddings, in some small way, point to that much bigger relationship that is for all of us to be in communion with Christ, one thing that I have never seen happen, despite the beautiful and sentimental things and the, I mean, kind of comical um, and other funny things, one thing I've never seen happen is at the end of a wedding, when the bride and groom are going to exit the sanctuary or go down the aisle if we're outside, I've never seen one person totally absorb the other in a way that only one human being walks out the aisle. Never seen that. Like the Pac-Man style, like ate somebody up and then only one person goes out. There's always two people at the end who walk out together. Okay, There's not the absorbing of one because even at the end of a wedding even where we have declared that the two have become one, that they will live in spiritual, physical, and material unity, even after we've made that declaration, by my count, every wedding I've ever been to, and definitely every wedding I've officiated, two people walk out at the end. Two people with a mind and a will and a personality, with strengths and gifts and weaknesses and flaws, two people who each have their own story, although now they will share chapters together, I've never seen them get absorbed into one singular human being, even though we say the two have become one. Here's why I think that matters with the way we read Philippians 2. The two are one, and yet they are still both their own person. And that teaches us something about what it's like to be united with Christ. Friends, if you are united with Christ, if you know in your head and your heart that that should be the core of your identity, You are still your own person. You are still a person with a mind and a will, with gifts and strengths and weaknesses. You are still a person with your own personality. You do not become a Jesus robot or a clone that's remote-controlled from heaven on the day that you are baptized. We could make the argument that we wish some people were because they'd be better behaved, perhaps. But that's not what happens. Being united in Christ with baptism does not turn us into a clone or a robot of anyone else. You remain a person and an individual. But it changes you over time. We grow over time. And just as we find with married couples who have been together a long time, they influence each other's personalities. They grow in wisdom together. Their strengths and gifts are combined. Their weaknesses are also a part of their household. They grow in their unity over time. On the day that anyone is married, they do not suddenly become clairvoyant about the other person, but rather it's the years that go by and it's the intentionality that changes who we are. There is a little lesson there in human marriage to reflect with us this divine marriage that we have of being united with Christ. The whole point and purpose is that over time, we understand our identity better. And if you want to be more like Jesus, if you want Jesus to influence your life so that you can be more Christ-like, because we profess with our lips that that is a good thing to be more Christ-like, then we have to spend time with Jesus. We have to invest in that core part of our identity, that our connections and relationships and places we belong and our story reflect this goodness of God's love. We are united with Christ, and we are united with one another. These instructions at the beginning of Philippians 2 are written in the second person plural, meaning the you, if you have any encouragement from being united with Christ any comfort in his love, any sharing in the spirit, any tender compassion, it's you plural, it's you all. If we were down south, we would definitely say y'all for this one because it's all of us together as a church. That the way scripture speaks of, of Christ as the groom, the church is the bride. We are a composite bride of Christ as a church. We all contribute together in this communion of saints to what it is like to be united with Christ. That means you are still your own person and you have your part to play in something that is bigger than just yourself. This is where we find identity is being united with Christ and it should change us over time. Maybe it does work out some of those spots where, as Philippians tells us, where perhaps we sometimes look to our own interests Sometimes we have selfish ambition or vain conceit. Maybe that gets worked out a bit over time to reduce some of those selfish edges. Maybe we find greater comfort. Maybe we find more tenderness and compassion by being with God together. Maybe our joy is actually made complete when all of us contribute to being united with God. This is for all of us. And it's a call and it's a lifelong exploration that we continue to grow into over time. On this side of heaven, I don't think any of us actually arrive at the end point, but we continue to grow and invest. And so, hold up the idea of connection, relationship, belonging, and story. Does your connection come from your identity in Christ and does it feed And does your identity in Christ feed the connections that you seek out? Years ago, on the wisdom literature, the phrase that I still come back to is that true wisdom comes from God and leads us back to God. And I wasn't going to try to do a quiz, but I do remember at the end of the series, I was an intern and I was testing out to see if people got it, and I said, finish this phrase if you can, true wisdom comes from God, and then I just waited and thanks be to God, Lana Dupree just shouted out, and leads us back to God. So I knew you paid attention that summer, and I'm still grateful for it. So, But in the same way, our identity comes from God, and then it leads us back to Jesus. So connections. What connections do you make that come from your identity in Christ and lead you back to him? There's a connection that I make every single morning. Don't get excited. It's nothing super holy, and it's nothing bad either. I play wordscapes every day. The daily puzzle, it's this nice little crossword anagram game. I like it. It makes me think about words. Sometimes I learn a new word, and then I try to work it into my week. I make that connection every single morning. You could even say I make that connection religiously. Wordscapes and I will connect. We will have our devotional time together, and I will get the rewards for completing the daily puzzle, and then I'll move about my day. It is a connection that happens without fail. Does our connection with Christ happen with that same regularity that without fail, Jesus is a part of how you start your day and that Jesus is a way that you end your day and not just to bookend your day, but that your connection with Christ is something that goes through your whole day. How do you connect? How do you connect with others? Relationships. We know that there are Good and bad relationships, ones that build us up, and ones that detract from us. Some that are healthy, some that are toxic. But relationships are a guarantee that we will talk to someone. You don't say that you're in a relationship with someone that you don't have any contact with. It means there's cutoff, that there's not a relationship. Relationship is a guarantee that you will be in communication. I would say that people that you're in a really close relationship to, who who do you talk to this week that you know you will say, I love you? Who do you know you'll say, I love you, when you talk? Is Jesus in that same category of regular relationship, that there is time both to speak and to listen, time of reading where God speaks to us through the word, and time of prayer where we speak to God? And also some of that relationship time has to involve listening because in any friendship or any meaningful relationship, if there's no back and forth of speaking and listening, it's a one-sided relationship, and we need Jesus to speak to us. Who will you talk to this week? And is Jesus a part of who you're going to talk to and listen to? And belonging. There's all kinds of places that we belong. There's groups that we belong to. Some people feel like they belong at work, and that's great. Others would say, nope, that is the last place I belong. I belong retired. All the same, regardless of where you belong to, The group that you belong to, because your identity is found in Christ, the group that you belong to is the communion of saints known as the church that extends for generations and across all time and space. Amen. Your belonging should be found in the communion of saints. And maybe right now that sense of belonging is a little bit diluted. And so maybe that's why a small group, a life group, is the right way to find that sense of belonging that there is that connection and relationship and belonging reestablished as we study the story of God's people together. Our belonging is placed, too. There's something about this place. There's something about this sanctuary that just gets me. There's something about the whole campus of North Holland that gets me. And it's the connection and relationship and belongings and stories that are told around the fire pit over there around the Wednesday night meals in there, with the funeral luncheons in this space. On Wednesday nights, we teach our younger kids right up here in this part of the sanctuary, and we start off each week by reminding them that this is a sanctuary, which means a holy place, because we're here to learn about a holy God who loves us with a holy love. There is something about place that beckons our sense of belonging. Is this a place that you belong to? Are there other places you'll belong to? Absolutely. Are there teams and groups that you will belong to? For sure. But is this a core place of belonging? The communion of saints known as the church. And are there holy places that you say, that is a place where I knew that I belonged to Jesus. Sometimes we don't want to belong to each other. We're like any family with some disagreements and rifts, but that we ultimately belong to Jesus and we reinforce that by coming around word and sacrament. And our story. Do we see our story coming out of our identity in Christ? Friends, you do not become a robot when you are baptized and start to follow Jesus. You still have your own mind and will to figure out. You have your rough edges to work through and to hopefully smooth off over time with the help of God. You have your testimony of high points and low points. But that all of this is fed through Jesus. And we are always a work in progress. I would say the last lesson that a wedding can teach us to help us understand this this greater picture of how it all starts with God is that when people get married, they can be wisely devoted and incredibly clueless all at the same time. Wisely devoted and incredibly clueless. Some people get married later in life, and they have to learn that they're maybe a little bit more set in their ways than they expected when all of a sudden they have to incorporate this other person into their life. Other people get married young. Caitlin and I are in that category. Some would say we were young and dumb, at least one of us, but she still said yes. So, <laughs> But you can be wisely devoted and incredibly clueless at the same time. Because if you say, yes, I want to find my identity in Christ, I want to follow Jesus, I want the connections and relationships and belongings and my sense of story to lead me to Christ, you can be incredibly and wisely devoted and very clueless on what that's going to mean, of where God might lead you, of what's going to happen in your life and testimony, of how the author of salvation is going to shape your story for the years to come. All of this is going to be unfolding over time. So be incredibly and wisely devoted to Jesus. And regardless of your age, keep in mind that if you're following the God of the universe, that you also might be incredibly clueless as to where God might lead. Because our God is a God who wants good and best for us. And our God also might surprise us at times. That's the beauty of following Jesus. There will be adventure and something new, and it will be good. My favorite line from our wedding was a line that my Uncle Jim, who is a minister, officiated. We had traditional vows, but he offered us a few variants, and we took this one. I love you now and even more in your growing and becoming. I love you. Imagine if that's something that Jesus said to you. I love you now, but even more in your growing and becoming. The one who knows how your story will go looks at you and says, I love you just the way you are already, and I love you even more, and you're growing and becoming as you live into this identity that I have already given you. I love you, and your story matters to me. And so we get to find it out. It gets to unfold over time. I've been married for just over a decade, and I've learned things but I was baptized over 30 years ago. What is it that you find over time in your own identity that you belong to Jesus? And so this week, I'd encourage you, take with the bulletin, take that top part off. Pay attention to what feeds your sense of identity and is your identity feeding those other four pieces where at the core we find our union with Christ. Christ is already united with you. And God is already at work in your life, whether you're acknowledging it or not. Because as we say in baptism, you are sealed by the Holy Spirit and marked as Christ's own forever. Your identity is already hidden in Christ, as we're taught in the New Testament. Your identity is already hidden in Christ, and every faithful step you take towards Jesus is just helping you discover what is already Is that an adventure that you're up for? I hope so. In the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, amen. Let's pray. Jesus, we pray that being united with you may give us encouragement and comfort from your love, that your love for us will give us common sharing in the Holy Spirit and tenderness and compassion. We pray, God, that your joy may be made complete when we seek to follow you being like-minded, having the same love as Christ our Savior that we put into practice in how we love one another, that we may be one in spirit and of one mind with you, Jesus, and if we're all in step with you, that we are also in step with one another. We pray that as we follow you that our selfish ambitions and vain conceit may disappear, that you may smooth off our rough edges and rather in humility we can value others above ourselves, paying attention to the time that we spend that is for us and the time that we spend that is for others, that we don't look to our own interests only, but that each of us looks to the interests of our neighbor and that we may be people who love our neighbor because you first loved us. Jesus you are united with us. Shape our identity, and may our identity shape every connection we make, every relationship we have, every place that we belong that you may be present, and the story that we read of your revelation to God's people in the scriptures, and our life story that you are writing for us as the author of salvation. In your name we pray, Jesus. Amen. Before uh, in just a moment, we're going to have an announcement, but there's um, just a couple prayer updates I want to give before we move to that. Um, one, uh, just as a reminder, we want to continue to pray for the Garcia family um, with the loss of Andrew's brother, Cisco. Um, continue to pray for them and their family. We'll lift them up this morning, and also we just have an update with Kim Clausen as well. Um, it has been a whirlwind week, um, in in short order. Um, Kim's legs have turned purple um, from an autoimmune response of blood platelets attacking each other, um, and she's had numbness in her legs as well. Um, It has been, and then they did some blood work. Some some numbers were too low. Some numbers were too high. Um, It was just a week of difficulty and concern for Kim, Um, and so we're going to pray for Mike and Kim both this morning. A couple trips to the ER and back um, tomorrow, she'll have more blood work, and Tuesday, another doctor appointment, um, but in the meantime, her legs just remain very numb, um, and this is a hindrance um, to life and continuing to be able to work, and so we want to pray for for Clossens as a family, and especially for this week, that there can be some resolution. Um, the infusions are complete for treating the MG, the Myasthenia Gravis, um, but there's just lots of pieces to this puzzle that continues to go. So pray for strength and hope for the Klassen family as well.